Welcome to the Professional Services Pursuit, a podcast featuring expert advice and insights on the professional services industry. I'm Banu Behpuri, and my guest today is Sean Kogan, who is the co-founder of Recruiting in Motion. Sean has an incredible amount of experience in the recruiting industry, specifically in the professional services industry. And while we've touched on this recruiting topic on the show before, as it's top of mind for many of our listeners, I'm excited to really dive in and get your unique perspective, Sean. Welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks. So before we get totally immersed in this topic, why don't you tell us a little bit about recruiting in motion and your role and mission there? Sure. One of my favorite topics myself. No. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> the Recruiting in Motion, we've, uh, we've been around for 12 years now. We're a recruiting agency specializing in the placement of permanent and contract and temporary staff throughout Canada and most recently in the U.S. Started in Canada. By 2015-16, we had eight offices throughout Canada. Once again, we, we focus on accounting and finance and marketing and IT specialized placements at all levels and across all industry sectors. Sort of unique in the world of recruiting because some of our offices are franchised. We started doing that early on because we had a unique concept. The whole foundation of the company is built on the idea that clients and and candidates are probably better served with a bit of a technological advantage. And that's one of the reasons why we introduced a video component to the client presentation early on in the company's uh, history. So what that meant was candidates will take short video clips of candidates or recruiters will take short video clips of candidates. And when we present them to our clients in consideration of any of the jobs that we're recruiting for, the clients can actually see and hear the candidates before ever meeting them. And that really sped up the process. So we've been doing that now for 12 years and moved into the U.S. to just before the pandemic. It was really at the end of 2019. It was perfect timing went into the U.S., and now we have operations in 17 states throughout the U.S., as well as eight offices in Canada. Wow, that's really exciting. Amazing growth. Huh? So you talked about COVID. Obviously, you guys have been very active, but as uh, I'm sure you're asked repeatedly, right, COVID has changed a lot of our behaviors and how we recruit, how we find jobs, et cetera. So can you tell us a little bit about the biggest hurdles companies are dealing with in the recruiting space right now? And and have these challenges changed in the last two years in any way because of everything we've gone through? So in the recruiting industry, this is an industry that has changed slightly over the last 50, 60 years up until prior to COVID. But for many aspects, it hadn't changed. It was almost all of our competitors, us as well, were still working out of brick and mortar locations. Our recruiters were coming into the office. We're going out meeting clients. We're actually meeting candidates in person. This is still really a relationship-based industry. People like shaking hands and really getting to know one another. If a candidate is conducting a confidential job search, they want to make sure they know who that recruiter is. So they build a, a close relationship. That's how things were up until a few years ago or a couple of years ago before the pandemic started. That all changed when COVID hit and all of a sudden we found ourselves, the industry found itself in a position to move these workers into a home-based business and not be able to meet clients and shake hands and see them eye to eye, except over potentially, you know, Zoom calls or video chats. Candidates as well. Now, candidates, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, candidates were flocking onto the market because of the pandemic and so many companies laying people off and they couldn't meet recruiters. 
So at the end of the day, the industry had to pivot. If companies in our industry, if recruiting agencies were not going to pivot and be able to adapt to working in a home-based environment, they were going to be left behind. And so that's what we had to do. So the industry shifted dramatically over the last couple of years, moving all of their workers home and or potentially, you know, from either a remote situation into a hybrid. And what did that mean? The technology they were using in the office had to move home as well. And they had to figure out a new way to meet clients. We'd introduced a video component 12 years ago, so we're a bit ahead of the curve. But at the same time, most of our competitors had a little, you know, a little way to catch up. But the recruiters I know are really resilient, and then I think the industry did a good job. But basically shifting from a brick-and-mortar office-based industry to mostly remote to now kind of hybrid. And I think most of the folks that I know, they're still trying to figure it out. Should we stay hybrid? Should we potentially go fully remote or fully back in the office? And and we'll see how it all pans out. I was going to comment about the fact that in conjunction with this change in the workforce moving more remote and the flexibility that that provides and the selection that expands because of it, there is also technology that's added to the mix now. And there is so much more vetting that can be done, both on the person who's looking for a job as well as the recruiting company and things like AI, like how do you use that? I know you guys started using technology and that's one of your differentiators many years ago. But now with everyone jumping on that wagon, what does that look like with the technology? Ironically, just shortly before the pandemic started, we had a meeting with the partners in my organization. And one of the things we were doing is is moving our technology to the next level and, and integrating AI. And so maybe I'll back up a bit. So artificial intelligence for the recruiting industry is not that different than what you'd expect. We're dealing with a lot of data on a daily basis. And this data has to do with Candidate information being thrown at us, lots of individuals applying for jobs, lots of recruiters going on pinpoint recruiting. And at the end of the day, if you've been around for a while, if your company's been around a while in recruiting, you build up a database. And with all that data, that's really valuable information that you want to mine. And to mine it effectively with humans, it takes a long time. You want to have ideally a system, an artificial intelligence type system that can go into your database and give you the information that you want when you need it, and then potentially communicate with candidates en masse. And some might say, well, as soon as you do that, you lose the human touch. And that's one of the issues that we're grappling with. You never want to lose that human touch. For us, it's all about the relationships. It's about building you know, one-to-one relationships with your clients and with your candidates. And if all of a sudden a robot starts sending out emails or text messages to the masses of candidates that you have in your database that might have stayed dormant for a while, that may not come across as good. But AI has advanced so far in recent years that we can do that without really the, the uncomfortableness of being reached out by a robot. So the initial approach could be automatic without the end user knowing it. And then right after that, a human being jumps in. As soon as that, as soon as that candidate or client responds, then it's immediately human. Other companies I know are not doing that. What they're doing is they're taking that to maybe the second or third level, and they're having whole conversations through artificial intelligence with candidates, figuring out what the candidate wants, where, you know, where they want to work, how much money they're looking for in a new position, why they want to leave. All of that can be done through AI. In, in my opinion, it hasn't been really perfected to the level of professionalism that we'd want it, but I know other companies are doing it and it's remarkable. It's amazing. Yeah, it's interesting. I personally had experience with this after 10, 12 years of not looking 
I was out in the market looking and how drastically things had changed for someone who is searching for a job, meaning that you're not even getting, if you're not getting the hits, if you have it between your skill sets and what they're requesting. Whereas, you know, in the past, someone may look at your resume and as much as it may not have been an exact match, they may be interested to talk to you because you bring experience that's unique and it opens up their mind. Well, maybe I should have a conversation. Maybe it would fit. But with this AI piece, like you have no chance of that. It's basically a machine telling them you should look at these five from the hundred applicants and that's what it is. So it was very interesting to see that angle and how things have evolved for sure. And you mentioned it, it's good and bad. It can be very frustrating for a job seeker when I started in the industry, it was 1998. And sometimes I say 1990, <laughs> but it was, it was a while ago. And back then, nobody was applying through websites or job boards. And very few recruiters even had email. And I know that sounds crazy. How could you? But no, that's I'm sure you remember, Padu. That's how it was. So at the end of the day, when candidates were applying, you had to respond. If you're receiving a resume via fax, you know, you're responding to that, even if they're not the best fit. And then little by little over the years, we sort of grew accustomed as candidates, as job seekers, to not hearing back from clients. My partner, the co-founder of Recruiting Motion, he has a daughter in university. She was looking for an internship. We don't do internships, so we couldn't help her. She applied to 220 positions. Only three of them got back to her. And these were all internship positions that she would have been well-suited for. It's, it's remarkable, the uh, volume of data that's just flowing out there. And that's why I think AI is, is important. And it's, it's almost becoming mandatory in our industry to use some form of AI for some aspects. Maybe not the personal relationship building aspects, but some. Another interesting thought that I had is, you know, you guys have been in business for a number of years. But now there's so many recruitment efforts that are going through LinkedIn and all these other, you know, online possibilities for both companies that are looking for resources and people who are applying. But your differentiator is that personal touch, that network element. What keeps the recruiting company's business still attractive and going? So that's a great point. So LinkedIn, indeed, you know, so LinkedIn isn't a job board. It was more of a social media or a business media site. Indeed, you know, one of the larger job boards that recruited, they're all out there. And over the years, whenever these tools, these apps sort of came onto the scene, sometimes my colleagues would say, oh boy, what's that going to do to the recruiting industry now? You know, are they going to take over? It really, it's never done anything but help us. It, it just recruiters embrace change and they will embrace new technology and new ways of meeting candidates. And we use LinkedIn a lot in the business. You know, I, there's not a day where my, my team isn't on LinkedIn. They have to be, otherwise they shouldn't be in this industry because you want to continue networking. So we use these, we look at these as tools to help us and not to compete with us, to more complement our services. Because at the end of the day, it's really all about an employer Regardless of how big they are, they could be a small company, a mid-sized company, large company. If there's a need and they're, they're looking to fill that need, specialized recruiters should be able to help them. Maybe not in all roles. There could be a lot of roles like the blue collar or the light industrial type roles. We don't specialize in those. But if, if they just need warm bums and cold seats, so to speak, that's where the job boards could really help. And they don't need to use recruiting agencies. And, you know, by all means, I know there's a, a very good place for recruiting agencies within most searches. But when it comes to the types of roles where you could you, you don't need any specialized skills, bingo, those job boards, they come in really handy. But otherwise, we love the job boards because it helps us 
And, and really, our job is to narrow down the candidates and find the right fit. It's not about matching skills. It's about understanding our clients and understanding what, what they're looking for in a role as a whole person and then finding that person. So in the world of recruiting, you're going to have different types of agencies. We specialize and we get to know our clients well, and they look at us as, as a sort of an outsourced HR partner. And so we may not work on all the roles with them, but the roles we work on, we work on closely and we, we get to know them. And we, we we get the job done quicker. Yeah. And and I don't think you meant I, I don't I don't think this is part of your business positioning contractors as well as full time employees. If it is, have you seen a, a switch there as well? You know, are is there I mean, it's one of those things where I think, you know, it's a it's a up and down. There's points where people focus more on contractors and then there's other po- points in time when you see a trend where it's full time employees. Where do you see things go- at right now and where do you see them going? That, that's a great question. So the gig economy is booming, right? There's so many people that have left the full time workforce to be contractors and they might be working harder than ever before, but they might be independent contractors. They might be working on their own. You know, in um, in the U.S., those are 1099s. In, in Canada, they're independent contractors. And yes, we place those. And, and it's a great question because although the gig economy is growing, a lot of those individuals are sort of taking it upon themselves to find their own gigs, to find their own contracts. What we do is we help, you know, place temps and contractors in roles like in the medium or, or large companies in, con- in projects. But to get back to your original question with regards to, you know, where we see the industry shift, as soon as the pandemic started, if you would have asked me in advance what would happen if a pandemic would ever start, I would say temp would go up. I would say our temp business would go up. It was the reverse. Temps fell off. Why? In our opinion, you know, based on the research we've done, it's because the clients, the employers, wanted to keep their full-time employees close. So they knew they had to lay off some people. You know, Some companies laid off a lot of people. And where are they going to start? They're going to start with the people who weren't that close to them, who weren't that vested in them. And so it was the temps. So they, they would start laying off the temps, and then maybe they had to go into their full-time staff. And then when they're starting to hire again, they may... So we, we, we've now seen a big pickup in our temp business because now it's, they're a bit gun-shy, right? It's like, let's try before we buy. Let's get somebody on for a six-month contract, see what happens. There's still some uncertainty. And hopefully, if this person works out and they're good, we could then bring them on full-time. So the beginning of the pandemic, temp and contractors drop off. Perm, you know, got slowed down, but it was still slow and steady. Near the end of the, you know, now that the pandemic is, hopefully we're seeing the tail end of it, it's really come back with gusto. So it's really been an interesting analysis. Yeah, and, and I guess with the great resignation, right, part of why you go with full-time employees is because you're hoping for that continuity, you know, career development in your in people you're hiring, et cetera. But with a great resignation, you know, on average, you find employees are staying a year and a half, two years. If that's the case, then then contractor is definitely an option as well. So that's that's interesting. And then so going back to the whole remote work and, and the implications that, you know, the pandemic had, what are some of the doors that this has opened up in terms of selection for companies that are looking to hire? I mean, in professional services, that's 
that is it. That's your bread and butter is the people that are providing services. Your, your revenue relies on it. Your client success relies on it. There's so many aspects. So you're always looking for top of the notch sort of talent. And it's always good to know what are the uh, things to consider to be able to land what you're looking for, the right match culturally, you know, uh, for the company, but also people that that can grow with you. And how does that impacted by the whole movement to be remote? Totally. You know, there's there's pros and cons to 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 that whole concept. There are some industries that have really embraced it because they could, and they've moved their workforce to become remote. And those workers enjoy the freedom and flexibility. On the other hand, the companies themselves have to really keep in mind that by doing that, they might be losing a bit of the culture that that really comes from everybody being together in, in one place on a daily basis. The companies that are going hybrid are trying to cap recapture the culture. That's hard to say. Recapture the culture, and by doing that, you know, by bringing employees back at least maybe one or two days a week. They, you know, what we found anyways, with the employers that we're working with, that really gets the culture going again and has new employees truly understand the, the company that they're, that they're part of. Like at Recruiting Motion, we have five core values and we really believe in them. But now that we're mostly remote, it's really, you know, we, we're finding a bit of a challenge to instill those core values in all of our new employees. And we do it by getting together once in a while. But because we're offering a, you know, a fully remote service now, sometimes, you know, there's a challenge there. It's not all rosy. On the other hand, there's some industries that couldn't offer that, like the the retail industry, for example, or the hospitality, and you need people there. If somebody's going to walk into a retail store, there has to be employees in the store. And that means they cannot work remotely. If you go to a hotel, somebody's got to be behind the front desk. If you're in a restaurant, somebody's going to be there to, to serve you and make the food and that type of thing. The great resignation really impacted those industries hard. Number one, there's a lot of layoffs in those industries. But number two, now that you know they're trying to come back, a lot of individuals have left the industry altogether because they don't they they see their peers who aren't in that industry, you know, enjoying the flexibility and the the pros that come with the remote type of work environment that they get in other industries. So there, there's a lot of relearning going on with individuals. They're going back to school, they're learning new careers, and they're moving away from the traditional industry. So what I think is going to happen, in, in my opinion, it's probably going to be, you know, it's a supply and demand scenario. You're going to have a lower supply of individuals that will work in these traditional industries that where you need to, and it's going to increase proportionally the the demand, and you're probably going to see higher wages to attract more people, and and it'll all come out in the wash. But at, at the end of the day, it's going to be a challenging time for those industries that cannot really embrace this this whole remote employee lifestyle. So a lot of things going on. A lot of companies have to do some major pivots. I think we're living in interesting times. It'll it'll be interesting to see how it all comes out in the wash. Yeah, it's interesting. We went to to a hybrid, but our CEO has basically announced that we will hire the location of an employee is not going to be what's going to drive their hire, their skill set is. So it's interesting that you bring up that that has a lot of advantages because it opens up a lot of doors in terms of the skill sets you're pulling from. It's immense. It's basically globally now you can find the right skill set to pull in and, and have contribute to your organization. But your point about the cultural element was was right on point as well, is you've got to have a very strong 
approach to to getting everyone rallied around the values so that as new people come in, you're actually bringing them along and they're just getting immersed in the in the value because they're not going to be necessarily in a physical office to get that exposure. And, and that's going to be the continuous challenge that we all have. So and that's a great point. Some of our offices have not only you know continued a, a remote sort of workforce with our recruiters and that, but we've hired folks who can't even come to the office. I know just recently we brought on somebody, we're in Toronto, we brought on somebody from Winnipeg. Now that individual is never going to be coming to, you know, maybe once a year or something like that, but typically will not be coming. There's no commuting involved there. And so you, but because of that, other companies can look worldwide. They may not be stuck to even their, forget about city or country, they can look worldwide. If they're, if they're looking for that unique skill set that in the past they couldn't find, if they've convinced themselves that these positions can now be remote, wow, the world is their oyster. And if there's, you know, only 10 people in the world that have a unique skill set, well, it, it makes it a little easier for recruiters if we could sort of look beyond those borders. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. If you had one piece of advice for our listeners who are currently looking, and I can tell you in professional services that probably everyone is always looking for new talent, what would that be? Where would you point them to? Wow. That is a great question. So from the from the employer side right now, my best piece of advice is make sure before, you know, if, Obviously, if you have a need and, and you know, you're going to market, whether it be through an agency or on your own or through referrals or whatever, before doing that, make sure you're really organized. You, you have an organized interview and hiring process. And if and when you find the right candidate, be ready to pull the trigger quickly. I cannot tell you how many times we're working with employers and we bring that ideal candidate right to the final stage and they're not ready to make an offer. These days, offers are lost within hours because candidates are getting, the market is getting so competitive and candidates are getting multiple offers on a daily basis. Like we're dealing with the cream of the crop and, and most companies want the cream of the crop. So when that cream of the crop individual gets on the market and they're ready to look and we present them to a client, if that client isn't ready to pull the trigger by the time you know their hiring process is finished, so you have a quick hiring process, get ready to pull the trigger, they're going to lose them. So my best piece of advice is make sure you understand your hiring process and be ready to pull that trigger quickly. And it's, it, times have changed. They should not be waiting to see four or five candidates and compare and this. If they see the right candidate, like don't, I don't, nobody should bully a, an employer into hiring anybody. But if they see the right candidate, the right skill set, the right fit within their organization, be ready to pull the trigger, even if it's the first one they see. Yeah, that's that's really interesting what you say. It's it's basically you have budgets approved, POs ready to go, whatever your internal process is to be able to make an offer and and go with it. So how does that play into, I guess, salary negotiations? And where would you, what would be your recommendations on how to handle that, right? Because if it's a competitive environment and it's like a housing market right now, right? People are overbidding each other and uh, you're just worried that you're going to lose that opportunity. And I don't want it as silly you know, compare resources to, to houses. But my point is, it's a competitive market, right? So what do you, how does that, what's your advice to, to manage through that, the negotiations and, and responding to asks? So if you de- if you de- sorry, if the employer is dealing with an, a recruiting agency, we, we take on a lot of that. 
However, let's move that you know out of the equation. My best advice to an employer in that regard is number the first interview, the first t- communication between you and that candidate, you want to know what they're looking for. You know, many states now don't allow you to ask how much you were making in, in a previous role. That's cool. It doesn't really matter. It matters what the market will bear. And what the market will bear in this case is how much that employee is looking for. If you don't ask them up front, you might be, you know, you know, surprised at the end. So you, nobody wants to waste anyone's time, specifically not if you've got, you know, five internal senior managers ready to interview a person. And then you find out in the fifth interview that the salary is out of whack. You, you, not, you want to know all the you know, compensation requirements right up front. And that goes for everything else. It's not just compensation. It's, you know, geography. If it is an, you know, in-office role, you've got to make sure the ge- geography fits. It's counteroffer situations. If there's currently working in another role, there's always potential for counteroffers. You'd want to know how serious an employee is. There's a lot of things you want to close off before even starting with that first interview. And you could get it all done within the first interview. But if it's, if it's an agency they're dealing with, we'll get it done before that. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. You know what? I think we can go on forever. I, but in the interest of your time and our listeners' time, I'm going to ask my favorite sort of ending question, which is more on the personal level. <laughs> yeah, it's more on the personal level. I love reading, and I, you know, I, I'm interested in knowing what everyone is reading and what their recommendations would be for my next book. So, what are you currently reading, or any recommendations on books? That's a that's a loaded question. So, I, I like reading as well, and usually I'll, I'll have one sort of a, let's call it a fiction novel, and then one business-related novel. So I'm, I'm going to give you both of them because that's sort of what I do. I kind of juggle. So I'm a big John Grissom fan. So right now I'm reading The Guardian. It's, it's one of his more recent books. I think it, it's really fast-paced and enthralling and just gets my mind off of things. And it's sort of a legal thriller. Well, let's call it a legal thriller. And on the business side, there's a company, there's a, there's a book, what's, it's, it's called Never Split the Difference. Not sure if, if you've read that one yet. It's by a gentleman by the name of Chris Voss. And it's really good. It's, he goes through a lot of you know, reasoning why you know, in negotiating, it's all about negotiating. It's all about negotiating. So I'll just say that. And negotiation is, is critical to, regardless of what role you're in, negotiation skills are, are critical. So yeah, I'll, so. I'll put that on my list for sure. Critical. Yeah, you know what? I mean, the, the tool that I use is Blinks. I'll look it up in Blinks first, see if I can get us find it and, and get a summary and then, and, and then go forward go from there. Well, well, when I'm finished reading it to new, I will send it to you. How's that? Oh, that's even better. That's even better. I'm a slow reader. So, you know, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm usually busy during the day, but there's usually half an hour, hour at the end of the day. So it could be a while, but you'll get it. You'll get okay. It. Well, I'm currently in Toronto, but if I'm in California, then you're going to have to mail it all the way to California. So okay, you, motivation to read it as fast as possible. Or, or I could come visit you in Toronto. In, in California. California. <laughs> that sounds yeah. good too. Listen, Sean, it's been amazing. If uh, our listeners want to reach out, to you or your company? How, how can they connect? What's the best way to find you and connect with you? Well, I'm pretty reachable. You could always reach me on uh, LinkedIn, as I mentioned. So it's Sean Kogan, K-O-G-A-N, or just my first name, S-E-A-N at recruitinginmotion.com. Just email. I'm traditional like that. Um, so email or LinkedIn or, or whatever, or on the web, you could just look me up on the web. That sounds excellent. Well, thanks. We appreciate you making the time and hopefully we'll uh, we'll talk again. Really I'm happy to have had you on the podcast. Thanks, John. Well, thank you for having me. This has been fun. Thanks. If you enjoyed this podcast, let us know by giving the show a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform and leaving a comment. 
If you haven't already subscribed to the show, you can do so anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And to learn more about the power of Cantata's purpose-built technology, go to cantata.com. Thanks again for listening.